If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number one of the World According to Zig podcast for May 14, 2017. This is the weekly show that's one of the very few places where you can get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from the conservative perspective in this crazy world now turned upside down for a variety of increasingly obvious reasons. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I, I was uh, very lucky to be able to celebrate Mother's Day with my incredibly understanding wife, who is an awesome mom. We had a very nice uh, brunch today with we are celebrating still, obviously, the birth of our second child, who is now just a, barely over a month old, Diana, joining our almost five-year-old daughter, Grace. So I'm outnumbered for the rest of my life, three to one. People uh, are still stunned every time I post photos uh, of the three of them, as I did on Twitter and Facebook today, celebrating Mother's Day, uh, that someone like me could possibly be surrounded by three beautiful women it is remarkable. Uh, it is uh, also incredibly expensive, not necessarily just from a monetary standpoint, but from other perspectives as well. Whether or not it'll be worth it, time is yet to tell. It's kind of like the whole Trump thing. <laughs> We're paying a very steep price for it. We'll, we'll see how much the price is and whether or not it's worth it in the end, although I'm, I'm more hopeful on, on my family front than I currently am regarding uh, whether or not the Trump bargain is going to end up being worth it from the conservative perspective in the long run. In our number two, speaking of uh, the Trump phenomenon, uh, we are going to be joined by Bill Crystal. Really excited about this. Bill Crystal, the editor-at-large of the Weekly Standard, who uh, you probably have seen on CNN. He's a former Fox News contributor, former uh, ABC uh, News and this all the way back with this week with David Brinkley, I believe, a commentator. Uh, but uh, Bill Crystal definitely in the never Trump category and a guy who I really respect. So very much looking forward to him. Last week we had Bill Mitchell, a little bit different perspective on Trump. This week it's Bill Crystal. You got to check out if you missed it. The review by Mediate, the uh, website, uh, Dan Abrams' website, for which I write about three times a week. They did a review of our interview with Bill Mitchell, the Trump superfan, who is also, I, I guess, a talk show host in his own right. 
he bailed on us last week. Just flat out hung up. And I was, in my opinion, I was exceedingly respectful. I, I, no one that has listened to the interview told me, hey, Zig, you were inappropriate. Uh, by my standards, I was super respectful. And he just wimped out. He had a glass jaw, like uh, like I think Donald Trump does himself. And it, I thought it really exposed the incredibly vacuous nature of the the Trump super fans out there. I've always understood those who supported Trump holding their nose and hold, and holding their breath at the same time, <laughs> holding their nose and breath with, while trying not to suffocate. I've always understood those people. The Trump super fans, the cult members, the cult 45, you know, cult 45, they believe it every time. The cult 45 members, I, I do not get, and I got no further understanding during our interview last week with Bill Mitchell, except for the fact that, not to my shock, but I was mildly surprised that he really couldn't even put up a reasonable fight. That he he wimped out, hung up for no reason, because just a a couple basic facts and a a little bit of logic, and uh, he melted like the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz and ran away uh, like a bully often does when they finally meet their match. And I wasn't even tough on him. So check that out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check out all the columns I have written, uh, including four new ones this week, three of which were about the big news story of the week, which, of course, was the firing of FBI Director James Comey, which I'll get to momentarily. But one of the articles at freespeechbroadcasting.com is the mediaite review of our interview with Bill Mitchell. I'm expecting that our interview with Bill Crystal will not end in a hang-up. <laughs> And will also probably be a lot more illuminating and far uh, far more educated. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as I've already alluded to, obviously the, the big news story this week is the firing of James Comey, which shocked the world by President Donald Trump. And um, I think it's important that before I get into my analysis and review of this crazy week, and almost every week seems nuts, but this was particularly insane this week, I think it's important to go back and to review and reset my view of Donald Trump from the beginning of all this. I think it's interesting that on paper, I should be a not a Trump super fan, but I should definitely be a Trump supporter. I mean, I am almost perfectly in his demographic. I'm an angry, white, middle-aged male who's underemployed, who lives in an area overrun by illegal immigration, who hates the news media, who hates political correctness, who hates Democrats in general. So, and I hated Hillary. So, so with all that being said, uh, that's that's just like a 99.5% chance on that alone that I would be a Trump supporter. Add into that that I've actually met the guy. Backstage at the Today Show back in the spring of 2014 and what, in retrospect, turned out to be a very telling conversation because he had supported Joe Paterno in a couple of tweets and I was involved in the whole Penn State fiasco from the standpoint of the fact that the media blew the whole damn thing. We I happened to be on the Today Show uh, the day before Trump was and I came back the next day to have breakfast with the Matt Lauer's producer and Trump was there backstage. And of course, Trump being Trump, 
it's all about the circumstances under which you meet him. If you meet him on the street, you're a nobody. And if I had come up to him and said, hey, I've been investigating the whole Penn State thing. I want to thank you for supporting Joe Paterno. He'd been like, yeah, okay, goodbye, bye. But because I'm backstage at the Today Show and he literally saw Matt Lauer come up to me and say, hey, did you like the interview yesterday we did, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden now I am somebody worthy of his respect. I mean, that's the way Trump looks at the world. If you can get on television, you're somebody. If you're not, you're nobody. That's the way it is with Donald Trump's worldview. And so, anyway, without getting too deeply into the details, which aren't that relevant to why I'm mentioning this, his conversation was all about him, of course, all about how the people of Pennsylvania love him because of what he had done with Paterno. And then uh, he sent me a note, uh, not an email, because <laughs> he doesn't do email, a note of support for my work on the case, which I have now ironically put as my profile picture both on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> because like 80% of my tweets and Facebook posts are negative towards Trump. I find it funny that I have this supportive note as my profile picture. But the point of all this is that's another reason why I should be a Trump supporter. And I have been, although I'm sure most people would not agree with this, I believe I've been incredibly open-minded. I have sought reasons to like Donald Trump, to give him a chance, to have hope that he'll be better than I feared. And my entire premise for being anti-Trump was, one, he's not a conservative. Two, he's not qualified for the job. As a matter of fact, a president, as or frankly, almost anything, but certainly not president, and because of the nature of being president. I mean, being president is literally a unique job. And Trump is psychologically, not just lack of experience standpoint, he is psychologically, has always been my fear, uniquely unqualified for the job. And I'm not the only person that has said this. People who know him well, off the top of my head, um, Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller, the, the magicians. Penn Gillette was on uh, The Apprentice, made it to the finals. Says he likes Donald Trump. Although, interestingly, I ran into Penn Gillette at an airport right after he uh, lost in the finals of The Apprentice. A, a finals that Penn Gillette should have won. And he was way better than, I think it might have been Arsenio Hall. I think he was up against Arsenio Hall. And there was no question that, but I'm not sure about that. But whoever he was up against, he was way better than. And uh, and I said I went up to him. I said, you know, I, I watched you on The Apprentice. I thought you should have won. He said, thank you. But he said, you know what? I never had a chance. I said, well, why was that? He said, well, because I had criticized Donald Trump's hair. And I knew that there was no chance that he was going to pick me because of that. And he was not kidding. He was dead serious. But anyway, the reason I'm re- mentioning Penn Jillette is that Penn Jillette says he likes Trump, but that he would be like one of the last people on earth that he would ever want to be president of the United States because of what makes him, you know, what 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 is his personality? What are his at- psychological attributes, his strengths and weaknesses? 
And I agree with that. And Penn Jillette's a very smart guy. So anyway, with that being said, you know, I, I've often played the clip from my daughter, Grace, back in the days of the old John and Leah radio show that was nationally syndicated for a couple of years on Sunday nights before this became a podcast. The reason why, of course, it became a podcast was... It's costing money! Right, that, that's, that was Grace in the last edition of the, of the radio show. But I also played the clip from my almost five-year-old daughter, Grace, when she, I think she was three years old at this time, she asked the existential question of our time, and certainly of this radio show slash podcast. Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? Right. That, that's the question. That has been the question for the last two years, because Grace sees the world through the prism of everybody's either a good guy or a bad guy, because that's what Disney tells her. And while there's some truth to that, the reality, you know, there's a lot in between, but in her world, everybody's either a good guy or a bad guy. So she wanted to know. Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? And my fear has always been that he's a bad guy. I wasn't sure that he's a bad guy for 100% certainty until this week. We now know the answer to Grace's question. Donald Trump is a bad guy. In fact, Donald Trump is an asshole. He's a selfish, narcissistic, unqualified, con man asshole. That's who our president is. Now, why do I say this? Is it because I love James Comey or that it was uh, completely inexplicable or indefensible for the president to fire the FBI director? No. I have been critical of James Comey at times. I think Comey butchered a lot of what he did last year. However, I've never thought it was really his fault. I thought he was put into ridiculously impossible situations, partially by Hillary Clinton herself. If Hillary Clinton had handled the entire email situation like she should have, Comey would not have been in the predicament he was in. I've thought that the biggest mistake Comey made in 2016, and again, I I know people don't want to believe this, but I'm incredibly objective. I defend people I despise all the time, much to my own detriment. And so while I'm no fan of Hillary Clinton, I thought that his letter 11 days before the election was completely inappropriate and wrong. The reason was because I could tell, and I predicted this at the time, and I turned out to be right, I could tell from the nature and the lack thereof of the leaks surrounding that massive news event when he said that he was reopening the investigation into Hillary's emails, I could tell that there was, it was highly unlikely that there was going to be anything really new, that there was going to be any there there, and that for him to do that 11 days before an election was colossally stupid. And I don't think he would have done it had he known. In fact, I think he's either said this directly or indirectly. I'm not sure he would have done it had he known that they were going to be able to get through all those emails as quickly as they did before the election because almost all of them were duplicates. So what he should have done was waited at least a a few days to get a little better assessment of what the hell was really going on because the second letter saying, oh, never mind, (laughs) 
Now, you remember that thing last week when I threw the entire presidential election into a tizzy? Forget it. Uh, you know, we looked at the emails and there's nothing new. If anything, in a weird way, I think that actually hurt Hillary Clinton and helped Trump. Because people just heard the headline. The media didn't make nearly as big a deal out of the second letter as they did the first letter. And polls indicate that, and this shocked me, this was, of all the predictions I made, this was the worst prediction I made all last year, which is it never occurred to me that people who had not been on the Trump train yet would, in the last moments, decide, you know what? <laughs> Buy me a ticket on that ride. That just that blew my mind. It just never occurred to me that that was likely to happen. Yet late breakers almost, not all, but mostly went to Donald Trump. Of course, I, I think the bigger impact of the Comey letters was it depressed Hillary's turnout. Because let's remember, Trump's numbers were not that great. He basically got the same vote as Romney did from four years earlier, only against much, much, much weaker competition. As I say constantly, there were only two states where he statistically outperformed Mitt Romney, they're big states. They're, they're the reasons why he won, Florida and Pennsylvania. There's Pennsylvania again. But the reality is, by and large, he basically did the same thing as Romney did. It's the same, same essential vote totals against weaker competition. So anyway, it, I have no love for James Comey, although it seems as if he is respected within the FBI. It, my sense of, in, uh, sense of him has always been He's trying to do the right thing, which, by the way, by the by the incredibly low standards of today's politics, I'll take that. Someone who's actually trying to do the right thing and seems to care about right or wrong, whether they blow it or not, I'll take it because nobody's perfect. So my, my conclusion here about Trump based upon what happened this week is not based on love for James Comey or... The fact that, you know, I'm angry that he effectively gave the election to Donald Trump because I think he did. I, I think if he had stayed out of it, I don't think Donald Trump wins. That's how close this, despite what Donald Trump will tell you, that's how close this election was. And if Comey doesn't meddle, I think Hillary wins, which is why she won by three million popular votes, which, of course, drives Trump bananas. I'm also not coming to this conclusion about Trump because he doesn't have the right to fire the FBI director. Even though it's the standard for it ought to be really high, and this is one of the many things that's gotten lost this week. And I'm not sure Trump understands this. I really don't. I don't think Trump viewed the FBI director as any different than any other cabinet post, which is an indication he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He doesn't understand the way government works. This is not, a, it's not his press secretary, okay? <laughs> Who everyone thinks he's going to fire Sean Spicer. And after last night's SNL, if he doesn't fire Sean Spicer after last night's SNL, he's never going to fire him. Uh, but it's not, it's not, the FBI director cannot, should not, does not work for the president. But that's the way Trump seemed to look at it. And there's, dispute over whether or not he actually asked Comey for a loyalty pledge. Now, I don't know if I really believe that. 
what I, that whole loyalty pledge thing sounds to me like a classic example of where Trump said something stupid and inappropriate that is being mangled through the whisper down the lane. At least I'm hoping that's the case. I, I'm hoping that even Donald Trump isn't corrupt enough to think that he can get a loyalty pledge from his FBI director. So the standards should be much higher for getting rid of an FBI director who has a 10-year term than it should be for anybody else. But here's the other part of this thing that seems to be lost, especially among the formerly conservative, now state-run news media, like Fox News Channel, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Matt Drudge, Breitbart. This was not just any FBI director. This is an FBI director who was investigating this president's campaign. Not just for, you know, campaign finance violations or something trivial. No, for collusion with the Russian government. For effectively treasonous acts. So right there, like it or not, in a remotely rational world, Trump is not allowed to fire Comey, at least until that investigation is over and he has been cleared. Now, one of the many, many missteps this week, and it was almost comical how pathetically this was handled at every level by this administration. But one of the missteps was, and one of the things I don't honestly understand, because with Trump, you never know, is he this dumb? Is he, is he this selfish? Or is there some potential other motivation or angle that he's looking at here? I've always believed, when in doubt, Trump is a checkers player and not very good at it who gets credit for playing chess by his supporters. And one of those miscalculations is now that Comey has been fired, how does Trump ever get exonerated on the Russian probe? I'm talking about in the real world. Yeah, some at some point in the future, whoever he hires as FBI director may come out and say, well, look, we've um, looked into this, thoroughly investigated it. We have found no evidence of collusion. There'll be no indictments, no arrests, no charges, no nothing. That's quite possible. But what Trump has now done in firing Comey has ended any chance of an actual exoneration. Now, to his base, it doesn't matter because because literally to his hardcore base, Trump could say, yeah, I colluded with Russia, but it was worth it because we beat Hillary. And his base would go, yeah, F yeah, yeah, we colluded with Russia to beat the evil Hillary. That's, that's how his base would react. That's about half of his supporters right there. As stunning as that is. But so that, so, so the, to his base, the exoneration has already happened. It doesn't matter. It, 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 you know, so that's irrelevant. But to the rest of the country, it will matter. And to, at least 50 to 55% of the public, Trump will now never be exonerated. Now, his storyline is, I wanted the Russian probe sped up 
because I know I'm innocent. And therefore, I want to be exonerated. Well, he just ended. Any chance of actual exoneration by getting rid of James Comey. So my fundamental problem with the Comey firing is that it's self-defeating. And it's not just self-defeating to Donald Trump. It's self-defeating to the entire, quote-unquote, conservative agenda, whatever the hell that is these days. Because this is not going to help Obamacare get repealed in the Senate, which was already on life support. It's not going to help tax reform, which hasn't even been actually proposed yet. It's certainly not going to help the wall get built, which was never going to happen. There's all sorts of things that were going to be difficult before this now are going to be near impossible. It is, it is absolutely impossible now for Donald Trump to get one Democratic vote in either chamber on anything, even if it's not controversial at this point. He has made himself completely toxic with every single Democrat. Now, that might have already been the case, but now it's forever because now every single Democrat is convinced there's a good chance that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to help fix the election. And there's no way they can support him on anything. And they're going to run on, in 2018, they're going to run on impeaching him. Now, that's a whole other story, which we'll have plenty of time to get to in the, in the future. But that, that's where they're heading with this. And they're going to have the support in their base to be able to do this. Because we're not just talking about, oh, I don't like him. I don't support him. We're talking about a huge percentage of population, 40 to 50%, who is convinced the president of the United States is not only incompetent and unqualified, but likely colluded with Russia to get elected president. Now, for the record, I'm not convinced of that yet. I'm not convinced that that's the fact. There's a strong argument to be made, and many people made it this week, including Rich Lowry, who I think is usually pretty good, not always, but often. He made the argument that in a weird way, this week proves that there was no Russian collusion. Not because Trump said it wasn't true. By the way, that's another important point of the many, many things that happened this week that are troubling. Think about the things that Trump said that... Inherently, automatically, instantaneously, no one believed. He writes in a letter to James Comey firing him. And by the way, the worst possible way you can imagine, like the asshole that Trump is. He writes him in a letter. I'm glad to, you know, by the way, thank you very much for telling me three times (laughs) that I am not the focus of the investigation, obviously alluding to Russia. And no one believed him that that actually happened. Nobody other than his cult following. Now, think about that, folks. How can you be president of the United States? And think about all the potential crises that could happen in the next three and a half years where the president needs to have the moral authority to be able to act 
and have moral authority, you need to be believed. You have to have trust. And here the president is in a letter allegedly articulating conversations he had with the FBI director, and nobody believes him. Nobody. And people close to Comey have said, no, that didn't happen. Now, what the truth, again, my guess is, giving Trump some benefit of the doubt, is that Trump may have said, I don't think I'm under investigation. And because Comey didn't say, yes, you are, Trump took that to mean, oh, I'm not under investigation. Because that's the way Trump's mind works. That's probably what happened there. Because it would be completely inappropriate for Comey to even say that to him, but given the nature of this converse, uh, this investigation. And by the way, it would also be incredibly inappropriate for Trump to ask. But we're way beyond inappropriate. I mean, this is, <laughs> my God, the entire definition of the Trump presidency is, is inappropriate. Every day is inappropriate. Every hour almost something inappropriate happens. So we the, the, there were so many things about what happened here that were self-defeating. And the implications of this are profound. The implementation of it was incompetent. Incompetent. So there's the decision to fire the guy who's investigating you, which inherently stinks. Again, I understand those who say it was done so incompetently that it actually, like I was referencing Rich Lowry, it actually shows that there probably wasn't collusion with Russia. Because if there was, they wouldn't be so incompetent in their cover-up. Now, boy, there's, (laughs) how about that for a way to find some sleep at night? Oh, we don't need to worry about our president colluding, having colluded with Russia to get elected because if he had done that, the cover-up would be so much better than it actually is. But that's the best argument we have at this point. And I, I agree with that. The best argument at this point that the whole Russian collusion story is bullshit, although there certainly is a lot of smoke to it, is that if it had been done, it could not have been done this poorly. And if, it, if Trump really knew that he was guilty, he would never have been so stupid as to fire the FBI director out of the blue while he's in Los Angeles on a recruiting trip, which he may or may not even have known about. He has his bodyguard send over a letter, his bodyguard send over this crazy letter to fire the guy, not just humiliating Comey, But oh, by the way, talk about self-defeating. Think about the relationship that the president is now going to have with the rank-and-file FBI. And that was another lie that Trump told this week. It's it's impossible to keep track of them all. But he claimed that Comey had lost the confidence of the FBI. The acting FBI director testified to Congress. Nope, not the case. And to be clear, he has... No self-interest in contradicting the president. He's the acting FBI director. Presumably, he might want to be the actual FBI director. Comey is done, fired, gone. There's no need to be loyal to him. 
So there's no reason to believe that that's not a true statement. And that statement was backed up by numerous sources. I realize that if you're a Trumpster, you don't believe sources. Unless, of course, they say what you want to believe. Then you believe them 100%. But anonymous sources have no impact on, on the Trump cult. Zero. But the reality is every piece of logical, credible evidence indicates that the FBI still backed Comey. May not have agreed with him on everything, but thought he was a good guy trying to do the right thing, which is essentially my view of him. So we have a situation now where with regard to whether or not the collusion happened, I get that if that occurred, Trump would not be stupid enough, you would hope, to fire Comey. And then the next day, and this has been lost too much, in, in the tidal wave of news this week, can you imagine? And there's a lot of hypocrisy going on on all sides here. But think about how the right wing would react if Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton had gotten elected under allegations of Russian collusion and were super soft on Vladimir Putin and then fired the FBI director who was investigating Russian collusion. And then the next day, not only had the Russian ambassador and another Russian official in the Oval Office, but got duped into having photographs taken of the Oval Office, thinking that it was private photographs when in fact, It was the Russian news agency who immediately released them with the Russian officials glad-handing and laughing it up with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. Holy bad optics Batman at best. If that happened, if that happened, uh, Sean Hannity's head would have exploded. Uh, Rush Limbaugh would be talking about this, you know, till Christmas at least. Fox News Channel the same way. Instead, crickets. Because it doesn't fit the narrative. At best, by the way. Again, it's hard for me to imagine that Trump could be this dumb if he really had colluded or was directly knowledgeable of collusion uh, from his campaign and Russia to not only meet with the Russians the day after firing Comey, but then get duped into having these photographs released Forget about the spy implications, because you know the photographer was working for the Russian government. He's in the Oval Office. The White House apparently was stunned when the photographs got released. So if forget about the, the conspiracy angle. I'm willing, for the sake of argument right now, and frankly, the sake of hope, to acknowledge, you know what? There's just no way Trump is this dumb. Think about the incompetence, though. The flat-out incompetence alone is what really bothers me now because that's the part there's no explanation for. None. And in fact, I would argue that what we learned this week, even if it disproves in a rational world the Russian collusion theory, is actually just as bad For the Trump presidency. Because what we learned this week is that Trump has no fucking idea what he's doing. None. We suspected it 
But now we know it. He has no fucking idea what he's doing. He is uniquely unqualified for this job. Uniquely. Why? Because he only cares about himself. He doesn't care about the precedent that it sets, for instance, to fire an FBI director who's investigating your campaign. Think about that for a second, folks. I I realize that most Trump supporters seem to think that the world is going to end in 2018 and therefore nothing matters for the future. But let's pretend the world doesn't end in 2018 or 2020. There's going to be another president at some point, almost certainly a Democrat, almost certainly a liberal Democrat. On what basis will our side be able to criticize anything they do from an ethical standpoint? They can hire their daughter. They can have their son-in-law be their top advisor. They can have business ties to foreign leaders all over the world and not really divest themselves. They can fire FBI directors who are investigating them for subjects like Russia and then have the Russian ambassador in their Oval Office laughing their asses off the next day and we can't say shit. These precedents matter. But Trump doesn't care about precedent. Trump acts like a guy who's going to die tomorrow. Which is not a good quality to have as president of the United States. I think we also learned a few other things about Trump in this whole deal. And let me deal with the competence element. How in the world does the president of the United States not understand that firing the FBI director who you've praised recently and who is investigating your campaign is going to cause a massive firestorm. But apparently the Trump team was completely unprepared to defend this. And Trump himself contradict, let's talk about incompetence. The first story was that Trump took the recommendation of the Department of Justice and that the recommendation, get this, get this, was that Comey was too mean to Hillary last July, so that's why we're going to fire him several months into our administration. It's just flat out ridiculous. Nobody believed that. Ivanka didn't believe that. Nobody believed that. Melania didn't believe that. I mean, it's laughable on his face. So laughable that the next day, then Trump contradicts it himself. No, 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 that didn't happen. I didn't take the recommendation of anybody. It was my idea. I decided it before the recommendation. Well, think about the implications of that. So not one, it's a lie. So so you so what you wrote in your letter to Comey was a lie. Because in the first paragraph, he says, I've taken the recommendation of the Department of Justice to fire you. So that was a lie. The first line of defense was a flat-out lie. But more importantly, it means that he put the Department of Justice up to justifying his firing of the guy who was investigating his campaign. That's beyond Nixonian. I know Nixonian was a 
phrase that got tossed around a thousand times in the media this week. That's beyond, even Nixon wouldn't think to do that, probably. I, I mean, that, that's insane. But that's, Trump, Trump admitted to it. Saturday Night Live actually mocked it brilliantly last night. It was one of the few things they did well last night. I thought it was a very disappointing episode considering how much they had to work with. But in the open, which I urge you to take a look at, I've tweeted it. The open, it's an, it's a, they're mocking the interview with Lester Holt. And Trump is just there openly admitting, yeah, I, um, I fired Comey over the Russia investigation. I, I didn't like he was investigating Russia, so I fired him. And Lester Holt's like, what? <laughs> you, isn't that obstruction of justice? And Trump goes, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, whatever. And Holt hilariously says, okay, so is that it? Did I get you? Is this over now? And then he, someone tells him in his ear, no, 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 it's not over yet because nothing matters anymore. Oh, yes, that's right, I forgot. Nothing matters anymore. Which I wrote a column for media, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com where that's the theme, that what we learned this week is that nothing fucking matters. Because Trump's approval ratings are going to barely be impacted by this. Barely. If at all. A little over half the country hates his fucking guts. A little over the third of the country is going to support him on almost anything. And that's where we're going to be. And I've predicted that numerous times. There'll be a couple point variation depending on the way the wind is blowing at any particular moment. Interestingly, the other thing that Saturday Night Live indicated in that opening segment was not just that Trump acknowledged things that should have would have brought down any other president, except we live in times where nothing matters. But they also said something, and I know they did this on purpose, uh, and I, I agree with it because it, it it definitely struck with me this week. I now believe that part of what motivates, a large part of what Donald Trump is motivated by is that Donald Trump still thinks he's running a reality TV show and that this was a good plot twist because they, they joke about exactly that that he fired Comey because it was a good plot twist. He's got lots of new plot twists planned. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great season of Trump presidency. It sounds insane, but I now believe that that was part, not all, I think his main motivation in firing Comey was he was pissed off by the Russian investigation. He's frustrated by it. Now, is he frustrated by it because he knows it's not true? And, it, and it's making him look bad, and he wants it over with, in which case he made a really stupid decision to get rid of Comey? Or is he frustrated and angry by it because he's afraid of what's going to be found? I don't have an answer to that. Neither, neither is good, all right? But I also think part of the motivation here was, this will be a good plot twist. This will get some attention. Things have calmed down a little bit. Nothing really... And it was actually a, a really kind of a dull news week until Tuesday afternoon. There was nothing happening. And then Shazam. I'll fix that. And that's, by the way, that's the way you think of it as a reality TV show producer. Which is what Donald Trump was in his last gig before running for president. 
as he ran, ran The Apprentice. So when things are in a lull, you need a new plot twist. And the, the rumors are this today, Sunday, that he's going to reboot the whole administration, fire a whole bunch of people, bring in a new press secretary, probably from Fox News Channel, maybe bring in some producers from Fox News Channel, which I think is kind of hilarious because why bother bringing in anyone from Fox News Channel to work for you at the White House when they're already working for you at Fox News Channel? What's the point of that? Save the money. Keep them at Fox. They'll probably be more effective at Fox than they would be at the White House. But he, he wants a new plot twist. And because he can't get anything through Congress, and people are slowly starting to realize that these executive orders are bullshit, although very slowly. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times yesterday I, I tweeted what a joke it was that evangelicals at Liberty University who hosted him to do their commencement address have been duped by Donald Trump, a, a guy who's been divorced twice, you know, death to us part, total lie. Uh, so to me, that still matters, although it's amazing to me how few people that seems to matter to anymore. But a guy who was very pro-choice, a guy who's clearly not a Christian, probably an atheist. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, he, he lies about reading the Bible, two Corinthians, and here, evangelicals got him the nomination, supported him through the presidency. They completely were duped by him. And the reality is that this is emblematic of everything that, that Trump does. But uh, when Trump, unfortunately, we're living in an era where people will believe only what they want to believe. And duping somebody is so much easier than getting them to admit that they were duped. And the evangelicals are the worst, but he, he, it's amazing that he's able to, to pull this off. Now, another column that I wrote for Mediate this week dealt with this issue of hypocrisy. And boy, nobody that I can think of in modern life has ever exposed more hypocrisy on more sides of the political equation than James Comey. <laughs> I mean, every time Comey got into the news, people flip-flopped on what their previous beliefs were. And that certainly happened this week. But one of the themes of this column, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, is that Trump and his supporters and unfortunately, a lot of conservative media people do not understand, or at least pretend not to understand, the definition of hypocrisy. Yes, everybody's a hypocrite on Comey. Democrats, Republicans, media people, everybody. But it is not hypocritical, as Trump tried to claim, for Democrats to criticize James Comey in the past. By the way, I've seen no evidence that any Democrats have major Democrats, actually called for Comey's firing. And by the way, the proof of that is Trump tweeted at one point, Rosie O'Donnell calling for James Comey's firing and said, boy, we now finally agree on something, which is classic Trump because I'm not defend. I can never defend Rosie O'Donnell, but the reality is Rosie wrote that while Obama was president and before there was any knowledge of a Russian investigation or a Russian-themed investigation into the Trump campaign. 
See, those are two incredibly important facts that the so-called conservative side doesn't want to accept. There's nothing hypocritical about Chuck Schumer criticizing James Comey, which he did, and then criticizing the president for firing him because there's two things that are incredibly important. One, Schumer and his campaign were not under investigation by Comey. Two, Schumer's not president of the United States. Okay? I mean, it's amazing to me how pathetically bad people in general are about analogies and understanding the nature and definition of hypocrisy. I guess this is because we got rid of analogies in the SATs back in 2005, although that doesn't that doesn't get Trump off the hook or most of his supporters off the hook. I used to think before Trump that conservatives were smarter than that. I thought it was just liberals that were really bad at making comparisons, analogies, and understanding hypocrisy. But there's nothing hypocritical about Chuck Schumer's position. I can't believe I'm defending Chuck Schumer because I hate the guy, but that's just the truth of the matter. It's not hypocritical. But of course, what's driving an enormous amount of the knee-jerk support for Trump, in the media, it's ratings, let's be clear. But for the rank and file, a lot of it is, one, they don't want to admit they were duped, and two, it's still all about, but Hillary! But what, you can't, what, he saved us from Hillary. Hillary would be so much worse. Really? Hillary could never have gotten away with doing this. No. She, I mean, first of all, she would be completely powerless with the Republican Congress. I wrote a column about this for Mediate, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com this week, about how, and this was before the Comey firing, how basically the two presidencies are imperceptibly different. Other than Neil Gorsuch, which hopefully is going to be a major upgrade over Merrick Garland, other than that, it's really hard to see the substantive differences. And, and by the way, when I lost my train of thought earlier with regard to the evangelicals, they'll tell you that these executive orders have been fantastic. Like, for instance, the one on religious liberty that he signed last week. What they don't understand is that was bullshit. It was so impotent, so self-serving, so irrelevant that the ACLU actually issued a statement, yeah, we were planning on suing Trump, but... This is a nothing burger, so we're not even going to bother. Yet, evangelicals get duped into thinking, man, he really fought for us. No, he didn't. It was irrelevant, and if anything, all it did was helped him because it made it easier for them to help his re-election campaign. That's it. It's all about him, not his supporters. And so, you know, it's incredibly frustrating to me that so many good people on our side refuse to see what's really happening here. I, I played golf yesterday with a, a friend of mine who, interestingly, I, I'd fallen out of touch with during the campaign. And so I, I, I like this guy, smart guy. He's a pilot, a Navy guy, uh, graduated from Penn State. So here, here I've convinced him that the whole Penn State saga is bullshit. He would take my word on anything with regard to his golf game. So he's willing to... I can convince him that Jerry Sandusky is innocent, that he should change his golf swing on a dime, 
But when it comes to Donald Trump, forget about it. And I was hesitant to even ask him about Trump because I'm thinking, there's no way he's a big Trump fan. There's just no way. He's too smart. I said, so what, what's your opinion on Trump? I love the guy. And so we talked about it for a little bit, but I was, my blood pressure was running too hot to get into a full conversation. But what was most interesting, because this is a smart, open-minded guy, he, he, at the end he said, well, you know, Zig, I'll acknowledge you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Which is always my favorite end to any argument. I, I remember that always, for some reason, back in the, the days of O.J. Simpson, this is the first time I remember this being a thing. Where I would get in arguments with people about O.J., you know, obviously being guilty. And so many times, more, way more than once or twice, people would end the conversation as, well, well, you just know a lot more about it than I do. Okay, well, so then why don't you believe me then? If I know more about it than you, then why don't you trust me? <laughs> but for some reason, on, in politics in general, and Trump in particular, people will believe whatever makes them happy. Whatever they want to believe is what they're going to believe. And it's incredibly frustrating, and it's, it's not productive. So where are we? The reality is that this Comey thing is going to fade. It will it will never go away totally now. But something else will happen this week. It'll stop stop being the, you know, the front burner. Who knows when and if Comey's going to testify. But there certainly appears as if there're going to be more shoes to drop because Comey is going to have his say on this. And will anybody's mind be changed? Probably not. That, that's what's amazing, is almost no one will change their mind about anything anymore. And we're going to continue to see this cycle. This is not the end of this. This is just the proof that Trump is not capable of doing this job. That's what he proved this week. He is not capable psychologically, or in any other way. He cannot do it. He's not up to the task. So what do we do? Well, if Republicans had any principles or any balls, we would speak out. And at the very least, make it clear that we're not going down with this ship. Because this ship is going to go down eventually. I don't know in what way. I don't know when. I don't know how. It's going to go down. By the way, it might still end up being reelected somehow because the Democrats are so fucking incompetent. They have so few legitimate candidates. I can totally see Trump being still reelected with a Democratic House and maybe even a Democratic Senate and then watch out. Then we'll really pay because then he's going to be a full-on Democrat which is what he really is to begin with, which is why I never trusted him. So I take almost no joy in being shown to be right, partially because no one ever will admit it. People just don't want to admit it. They just don't have the intellectual honesty or courage to do so. But I'm concerned about where we're going here with regard to the country. Because we have a president of the United States who's barely over 100 days into his administration 
who doesn't have a fucking clue, who is uniquely unqualified, unsuited, who views himself as a king, and who's not going to make America great again. And as I've said a hundred times, yeah, there'll be some benefit to Hillary losing to Trump. But what now I'm seeing is that that benefit is going to be even smaller than I thought. I thought we would get at least something out of this more than Gorsuch. We may not get shit. And the price we're going to pay is going to be enormous and it's going to be never ending. And that pisses me off. And it should piss you off too. And there were so, you know, at least <laughs> as I tweeted this week, you know, if I die tomorrow, hopefully I won't. There, you know, there'll be a lot of regrets I have in my life. But one of the things that I will be most proud of is that at no point in this entire Trump sanity business did I lose my wits or my dignity in supporting this fiasco. That's not going to do me much good. You know, to quote Caddyshack, on my deathbed, I'm not going to get total consciousness because of that. But I'll take some solace from it. I'm not alone, but I'm close to being alone. And the boy, the conservative media hypocrisy this week has just been off the frickin' charts. What a bunch of frickin' sellout hypocrites lying sacks of crap. I can't believe Rush Limbaugh has become what he has become to be defending Donald Trump for things he would be butchering Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama on on a daily frickin' basis. Congratulating him on being a tremendous Democratic troll. That's great. So we've we've devolved to the point where, yeah, yeah, we may not be able to govern. We're not being able to stand up for our principles, but damn, we can make liberals' heads explode. Isn't that awesome? Woohoo! And we could have had Marco Rubio. That's what really pisses me off. Marco Rubio could be president right now. We could be doing some real damage. <sighs> All right. And hour number two, one of those who also uh, has a lot to be proud of with the way they've handled the uh, the phenomenon of Trump sanity, Bill Crystal will be my guest. So make sure you ch- listen to that. Looking forward to that conversation. And as always, I ask only two things of you. First, if you like the podcast, share it via social media, Twitter, Facebook, what have you. If you uh, tweet it or Facebook it, I'll, I'll share whatever you have written about it. Even if it's not that positive, I'll usually share it. But uh, share it via word of mouth if you can, because that's the only way people will ever find out uh, about this podcast, which really is one of the very few places where you can try to find the real truth from the conservative perspective in this crazy, effed-up time in which we're living in. The second thing, as I always tell you, do yourself a favor, and if you're one of those people who sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets— Well, stay tuned for this important message. My name's John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. (laughs) Performance bedding? (laughs) Yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. 
No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should. Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S H E E X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.